DJ and PK, we are joined now by the former Utah football player, Ryan Lacey. He's on the Sprint special guest line. Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Ryan, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Thanks for coming on with us. We appreciate it. So no problem. We, we saw what you tweeted out about uh, the language, the racial slur you accuse uh, Morgan Scally of using. And I'm, I'm curious... What was the situation? Was it a one-time situation? Was it something that happened more than once? Uh, uh, no, it, it was a one-time situation. Um, and I was a freshman when it happened. And it was a quick thing that happened, you know, at practice. And I, I just held on to it for, for a long time, you know. And I just kind of, that word just made me look at that coach a little different. So then when I was I was a senior and, uh, you know, I went through my career, I decided to approach him and, you know, tell him that, you know, this wasn't right. And, you know, I held on to this for so long. And, you know, we did kind of get an apology from it. And uh, we moved on. Did you report it to anybody during that time, during your time at Utah? I did not. But, you know, there were teammates around when that word was used. Um, and I, 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 yeah, I didn't report it to anybody. I didn't feel like I had the place as a freshman to go report it, or I, I, I didn't know. Kind of, kind of set the scene for us because players spend a lot of time around coaches. There's times right. in meetings and meeting rooms. There's times on the practice mm-hmm. field. You know, on the practice field, somebody your coaches yell at players from thirty yards away. So, right. what happened? What was the situation? Um, uh, the situation is, uh, I mean, I don't want to disclose exactly what happened, uh, just, you know, but uh, it was used at practice um, uh, in front of me and a couple other players. And uh, it, was a, it was a disrespectful thing to say, and, um, and, and we dealt with it. And um, right now the situation at hand is what um, uh, the, the racially uh, explicit text that, that family was sent. Did you know about the text messaging? So when this story came out, it wasn't a surprise to you? I did not know about the text message. I saw the article, and uh, I went to the article, and I was reading through, and I hit Twitter, and I'm never really on Twitter that much. And I saw the family getting a lot of backlash from um, from um, what they felt like was explicit in the text. And so I replied based on, you know, protecting the family, not really thinking that anyone was going to see it, just, you know, that I've experienced that too, so they weren't alone. So I was standing with the family, and I wasn't expecting it to blow up and be on any platform, but it did. Yes, it definitely did. So I'm curious, have you been uh, contacted, the U's doing an investigation, have you been contacted, and if so, by who? Um, I wouldn't want to disclose that information either, but I have I've spoken to my university rep, and uh, we're going to handle it kind of that way. So we have you saying that he called you the word, and then we know that he's admitted that he sent it to a family in a text. Do you know of right. any other instances with any other former teammates that it may have been said? I, I do not. I mean, I had my the, my incident with him, and that was mine. And I mean, if anybody else has, I, I wouldn't know about it. But I do see a lot of uh, former players coming out with their truth and, and you know, the experience they had with that coach. And you know, um, other than that, I, I didn't. I haven't heard them say it to anyone else, or you know. So, have you been in touch with the players who were around who witnessed the uh, the 
when he used it with you? You said what? You said there were some other players I, there. I, I have not uh, spoken to anyone. I kind of, I'm not really a social media guy. And once it blew up, like I just kind of shut down. Like I, I wasn't reading any other tweets or reaching out to anybody. I was just commenting on that um, post of the family, just uh, you know, to send with them, and uh, and, and yeah. So, Ryan, when I was growing up, it was understood in my generation, man, if you use that word, that was the ultimate insult. And it's just something that you just did not do, even in whatever conversation and in whatever situation you were in. What does that word mean to you and to your generation, do you think? It, it, it's a deep word because, you know, I we have I'm ancestors that um you know, are of the African-American descent. And if that word was used around my grandpa, you know, back in, you know, it's just something that it's not okay at all. Uh, to me, you know, whether it, the word is used a lot more loosely now by a lot, by a lot of people, but to, to, you know, from a, you know, white coach perspective, to call another black kid that is, is the ultimate disrespect in my book. Um, but that that word is it was it's not even used. My dad won't even let me use that word in my household. So that's the kind of how deep it is for my family. But it's it's way deeper than the word because the word has a lot of history behind it, you know. And the history is not good history. It's history of oppression of of our of our people, and that's just something that you don't do, you know. And and that's what it is. Ryan Lacey joining us, former Utah defensive back. So some of the players who have come out uh, have spoken about uh, both to us but to other publications as also have said uh, in their opinion, in their interaction, uh, you know, there are issues with Morgan that need to be addressed, but they don't right. want to see him let go. Is that how you feel uh-huh. or you feel differently? I, I would I, I would never want to see you know uh, anyone lose their career over a mistake because we all make mistakes and you know and, and we can all recover, recover from mistakes and um, I would not want to see him you know he has a family you know he has a wife and I would not want to see you know him lose his job over a mistake you know I, I, I forgive him and I feel like you know we can all forgive him but it's just something that you know it's a mistake at the end of the day. You said by the time you were a senior, I want to make sure that this is correct. It was set to you as a freshman. And so then a few years later when you were a senior, he approached you and apologized. How did you react at that time? We know what you're saying now, but at that time, how did you react? Um, well, I approached him initially with my truth of how I held on to that word. And, you know, and I wanted him to know that you know, I felt some type of way for him saying that. But when I got the apology, I just – I didn't I, – I didn't feel satisfied, but I, it was an apology, you know, and I, I didn't take it on with me after that. You know, just, just something that I wanted to let out, and I was more um, uh, relieved that I got that off my chest than wanting an apology. Like, I'm glad that he heard that, you know, I was upset about that. So uh, you've, you've mentioned this a couple times, and I don't know how to kind of summarize it, just so right. I need a little clarification. The, mm-hmm. the apology... It was heartfelt. You felt it 100%. There was a little bit of a hang-up there. You couldn't fully... It, 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 it was a little bit of an excuse of, uh, I've done this with my old teammates, and this is kind of something that, like, I didn't mean to, but it was like it, more of like I, I meant I was joking with you more than like, oh, I apologize if that hurt you. It wasn't an apology like that. It was more of like, oh, I was joking around, like, it, it, you know, I didn't mean it like that. 
Okay, so at the time when you say he said it, in your mind, there was no question that it wasn't a joking situation. I'm sorry, can you uh, repeat that? At the time he said it, in your mind, it wasn't a situation in which it was meant lighthearted. It wasn't a joke. Uh, the word period it wasn't a joke to me. Whether he said it in a joking manner or he said it serious, it wasn't a joke at all. It was the word that, that was what we're talking about. You say this bothered you over the course of the three years or so. Uh, did you yeah. ever have any con- any other conversations with the teammates who witnessed it and how they took it and how they processed it and how they felt about it over time? Um, n- not exactly. When it happened, the teammates I was around, we all looked at each other in a like a confused, okay, whatever type thing. We're at practice and we let it go. And when I did approach him, I did speak to one player about the situation at hand and, and uh, Morgan actually apologized to both of us at the same time. It wasn't just me alone. It was another player that was apologized to during that time. What's your relationship with the University of Utah football program now, Ryan? Um, I have a great relationship. I go to every single game. I'm still in touch with Coach Shaw very closely. I love him to death. Um, yeah, I, I'm uh, you know, every game I'm, I'm there in California, I'm, I'm still in touch with a lot of my teammates, but I, I feel like I have a great relationship with the University of Utah program, football program. So you are you living in Sacramento now? Yes. So when you go to the games, are you talking about going to Stanford or Cal or maybe down to L.A.? Yeah, Stanford, Cal, and then, you know, they played out here in uh, Levi Stadium twice, and I'm there. Yeah, you're right. Um, do you have – uh, any knowledge of any other coaches on the staff saying this besides Morgan Scally? Not at all. No, that was one incident with uh, uh, Coach Scally, and that's about it. I haven't heard it from anybody, and I, 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 yeah, I haven't. Well, we've hit you with a lot of questions here and all in a row, and you've answered them. I'm curious if there's anything that we don't know to ask that you want to share with us. Um. I just, well, I want to say something. Go Utes, first of all. And um, this one incident does not define uh, the university or the program or uh, the alumni, my brothers. uh, So, I mean, hopefully at the end of this, we can all come through this in in a positive light and, uh, you know, continue to play football again. Because the University of Utah is one of the most prestigious universities and great football programs out there. And I had a great time uh, playing with my brothers. And uh, that's it. Well, Ryan, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. I, I guess one more thing. Do you have a good relationship with Coach Shaw. Did you ever talk to him about this? I have not. I, I never did. Um, I never did. It was something that was just, you know, kind of something I held on to and brushed under the rug until I had the opportunity to present it to Scully. All right. Well, Ryan, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on with us. No problem. All right, there's Ryan Lacey, the former Utah defensive back, and he was on Twitter a few days ago, uh, as he said it, uh, supporting the people he saw who were, uh, you know, you, you, you say something on Twitter, you can get blasted. And so I can, see, I can see the logic he presented there, PK. He felt like he was sticking up for another family he thought was taking heat, sharing his personal experience. Well, you know, going forward, these are serious uh, accusations or yeah. a singular accusation. And I would think that that would be a significant part of the investigation. Now, I don't know what he wants to do 
regarding that. I mean, I cannot relate to this whatsoever, not 1%. I mean, obviously no one would say that to me. And plus when you're a freshman and you're 17, 18 years old and you've got authority figures, uh, I don't know that, you know, you could say, well, why didn't he scream out and run to Kyle Whittingham or Sharif Shaw or whomever he felt comfortable with? Well, yeah, okay, you can say that, but I can't say that the that this young man well, at the time he was a young man, he's obviously older now that he should have been able to do that because if it happened, uh, would you be scared? Would you be baffled? William, what would you do? I don't know what you would do. You know, there's so many things that we say, Oh, in this situation, I would have done this. I would have done that. You know, the one thing I've learned uh, across the span of my life is I don't know how I would react yeah. unless I was in that situation. And obviously I would never be in that situation. So that's a double whammy against me. So I have no form of being able to relate to how to respond, how to receive it, what to do. I would think though, if I'm, if I'm the U of U and I'm hiring an outside firm to investigate this, well, I don't really need to investigate so much the accidental text that was sent to the family of the receiver because that's already been admitted and they could easily solve that and there's nothing really to solve but i mean they can get to the bottom of that with a one or two phone calls because morgan scally has already admitted that and to me that's it's not water under the bridge but those are facts that are proven it's the other stuff as far as was there a systematic uh a what, what am i looking for a, a pattern, pattern yeah, thank of you. behavior pattern. right yeah pattern you know because then that becomes extremely problematic i'm not here to say that morgan scally did it i certainly am not here to say he's a racist and all these types of things because those are serious accusations that i really have no idea in my experience the answer would be no that's the whole, but i could only look at it through my eyes but i would think the investigation would include that and ryan lacy saw fit to go public i mean he literally says morgan scowley called me the n-word that ends in an a and you know i do appreciate that he said that people have gotten loose with that word and i i think we would all acknowledge that that's a fact and, and i think you and i growing up man that was there was no there was way. no way <laughs> there was the sniggledorf household what would happen to me Oy. There was no way. But, and I don't remember who it was that came on who pointed out, it's not just in, in movies, but, you know, you can hear it in the movies now. You know, it's not just a music thing. Um, and so in popular culture, it's out there. But a word that's as loaded as that word, I mean, you know, there's got to be a relationship, a real strong relationship and a lot of confidence. Because that word, as well as Ryan just said, I mean, that word carries a lot of weight with it. Just, I mean, to say it carries big negative overtones with it is a huge understatement. Um, that, and yet it is thrown out there in entertainment, in music and movies, like it's not a big deal. But I think in inter, an interpersonal situation, it usually is a big deal. Uh, and as far as a, a 17 or 18-year-old, and I don't know how old he would have been there as a freshman, but as a freshman coming on, an authority figure, uh, I mean, I can look back at when I played high school basketball, and there were no racial overtones to it, um, but there was language that I think would absolutely be questionable, improper in some people's mind, and I he heard it used repeatedly, and I never mentioned it. I had a, I had a basketball coach who routinely dropped F-bombs. Routinely. <clears throat> and if it had gone to parents, it could have been a big deal, and apparently it never did. We never, as players, we never really talked about it. I mean, I can remember thinking, I can't believe this guy's dropping this language like this. But I wanted to play, and I was on to the next thing. And he wasn't dropping it at me either. 
it was more a team thing. Oh, so it wasn't individuals. It wasn't. It wasn't calling out one person or two gotcha. people. You know, you got to bleep and take care of the ball. You know, but it was it was repeated. I mean, literally a dozen f bombs in a practice. Sure, I'm sure that happened. I mean, we're going back a bunch of years, but yeah, it was routine. It was it was routine. And he was. And I'll say this: he was he was a good coach, but he had a very positive impact on my life. A very, I mean, when when my job was in danger and his, I could just hear him saying, "Do the next thing right. Don't worry about everything. Do the next thing right." You know, he would have totally signed. Uh, honestly, same era, same mentality as Jerry Sloan. The guy played college basketball in the '60s, and he was coaching high school basketball in the '70s and '80s, and the same mentality. So, if you can see Sloan dropping f bombs on the sideline, then you can see my high school coach. This guy coached me in the 10th and 12th grade, and he would he was dropping them on the sideline. You know, he didn't do it during games, though. He knew not to do that, but in practice. Rawr, you know, but I, I never said anything. I never said anything to my parents. I never complained. Now it wasn't directed at me, so that's a little different. But I kind of think I wouldn't have if it had been directed at me. If I would have complained to my mother, she would have just told me STFU. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there there might have been some parents. A million I, times. <laughs> I don't know all the parents. I don't know all the parents on the team, so I don't know how they all would have reacted. But I know the community and all that. And if all the parents had known, several of them would have reacted. But everybody wanted to play, and nobody challenged an authority figure. So, I mean, I do kind of get that mentality for the people who are saying, "Well, why didn't he say something?" I mean, he's he's tight with Sharif Shah, and yet he never told Shah about it. You know. So, and he said he didn't tell anybody about it. Well, yeah, then, I mean, you got that's what this, this investigation is going to be so intriguing to me. Because do you bring in somebody like a Sharif Shaw and say, Sharif, have you ever used this word? And so, what, what's he going to Does Sharif have to get a lawyer here involved? Is well, his job on the line? I don't know. I mean, where are we going with this? I, I think that if they want to keep Morgan, and I've said this before, and I still believe it, I haven't heard anything different. If they want to keep Morgan, and I think they do, because they could have let him go if they didn't, uh, but they can't have surprises after the investigation. So the investigation needs to be really thorough. Right, so if I'm Morgan, I get a lawyer too, because if you're going to fire me for doing this, well, what about him, 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 and him? If I have references to them, whoever them might be, I don't know. Maybe no one's done it. Maybe no one's done it, and everyone is clean. If you consider that clean or dirty, I don't know. I mean, language is loaded. I don't even know if I'm using loaded language (laughs) as I speak. No, but I think to your point, you know, if that's the line in the sand and if one coach crosses it and if one coach loses his job over it, then if other coaches cross that line in the sand, how come, you know, when they have to get the same penalty? Uh, are people going to get lawyers? Uh, This is America in 2020. The answer to that question is yes, people are going to get lawyers. Well, yeah, I don't blame them because right. if the other side has one, you—that's yeah. what it was explained to me that very recently. Well, wait a second, if they've got one, you should have one too. I guess the one thing that um, has surprised me, and I've second guessed myself about whether it should have, is that we've now talked to multiple players, and they don't line up in exactly the same spot with Morgan. You know, there are some who are completely just. They're all in on Morgan. I mean, they love Morgan, right? There's others who think they're issues, but they've never heard that word used. And then we have Ryan who says, well, that word was used. But across the board, the one thing they all have in common is nobody wants Morgan to lose his job. 
That's the public position. Now, maybe privately they would say something else, but we've asked multiple players on the air now, and we've seen Chris Camrani and other people have been reporting on it. I have not seen one player say, I think he should lose his job. We've seen players on Twitter you know, putting themselves out there, not being interviewed by somebody, but putting themselves out on social media saying he shouldn't lose his job. Right. And for, you know, this is the kind of word that can cost people their job, you know, in the abstract. We all know that. And yet every person we have spoken to or seen on Twitter has said, no no one has said he should go. And many of them have said he he should not go. He should stay. Including Ryan. Yeah, absolutely. Not something Uh, I probably would have guessed going into all of this. Well, I think between Ryan Lacey was like the last voice, so to speak. I think Chris Camrani had the definitive piece in print. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal job that Chris did. There's Re- no question really about it. Really good work. Really good and, work. And yes, some of the best sports journalism I've ever seen. So I commend him. So you take that, and I don't think he spoke to Lacey. I read, this, I read the piece, and I've spoken to Chris. I don't think he ever spoke to Lacey. I could be wrong on that. But now you got – he did tremendous work, Chris did. So you got that over there. Now we've got Ryan Lacey. And to back up what you're saying, I don't believe any of these folks that Chris interviewed uh, and then Lacey here over saying what he just said on the air. You're right in terms of no one that I'm aware of is calling for his resignation. And it seems like there's the support for him to continue to keep the work and so I wonder how that will factor into everything. Uh, and, you know, what will the public reaction be? Because you look at the Dobble Sweeney thing and he's getting reaction for, well, you should have fired this individual who said it back then. Now, the U of U hasn't reached a conclusion, so there's no backlash on a decision because no decision has been made. But eventually here and eventually being shorter than longer, that there will be a decision made and then that becomes a huge story and whatever that decision is either way becomes a huge story because the double sweeney thing is a story well for the utes when they reach that decision yes or no that becomes a story and will there be blowback if he stays Will be the blowback if he's fired for yes. that matter the answer is yes and yes there will be people who will not like the decision, whatever the decision is. And if they've made it, it's not public. You know, what, whatever they're thinking, they're, they're holding their cards closed, right? And do the investigation and don't let anything leak. But whatever is decided, people are going to be upset with it. This is not, there is no unity in the community on this one. If he is kept, there will be people who are upset. If he is let go, there will be people who are upset. Uh, people are going to be upset. I, I don't see any way around that. Yeah, but I like what Ryan said. You know, Morgan has a family and all those types of things. So even though whether it was said or not, I can't vouch for it. I can only take uh, uh, Lacey at his word. But yet he has compassion for Morgan Scally. That appears to be true, right? Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, we're brought to you in part by Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show.
From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Here's Rom at the 8th, just a moment ago. There. Well, we were hoping for better audio with no fans <laughs> surrounding the course. We apologize if anybody was offended by what they may have heard there. Jim Nance as the Colonial resumes. 9 a.m. Slacker Radio headlines brought to you by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. So it's great to hear the players and hear the conversations until you hear all the conversations. You know, when they're, they're mic'd up in the uh, challenge with Brady and uh, Manning and with uh, Phil and uh, Tiger, it was, uh, you know, comedy. and haha. But they do need FedEx Cup point, playoff points and Ryder Cup points and all that stuff now. So there's going to be a little more of an edge. Maybe not as much this week as there will be in coming weeks because there's got to be a little bit of, thank goodness we're back. It's great to be playing again. But still, nonetheless, F-bomb right out of the gate, live on TV. Yeah, I mean, you said those guys in the thing that they had over Memorial Day, they were were mic'd up, so Mm -hmm. they knew full well they were mic'd up. Does Rom know he's mic'd up? And with that, I think they should have told him, hey, if you want to say it, buddy, just say it in Spanish. (laughs) Yeah, I would assume that uh, if you're at a PGA Tour event and there are microphones everywhere – you're mic'd up. Nah, maybe they're not used to it. A lot of times it would be, you know, they, they, they say, and, and it's not like we've never heard players swear before. We've certainly heard it. But there are a lot of situations where the noise from the gallery does drown stuff out, you know, especially after a good shot. You know, people are applauding, cheering, whatever. So okay. It's a little out of the norm. But at the same time, when you're walking out there and there's no gallery, you got to be got thinking it. they're going to hear yeah, I mean, he, he, Rum's a young guy, yeah. and so he said what he said. Uh, the, outside of the little old ladies who root for BYU, is really, <laughs> is anybody just aghast and totally offended? I wouldn't think so. I can't speak for everybody and how they felt. I mean, I hear that stuff and think, well, you probably shouldn't be doing it, but I'm not surprised I'm hearing it either. It's not, I don't know, it doesn't. Doesn't really derail my doesn't derail my day, <laughs> and it's not like it's every shot, every hole. I mean, yeah. if it became, it's it's interesting because it's we were just talking about the N word. Well, the reality is you hear that all the time now, and a lot of folks have become desensitized to it. Yeah, because it, there's no excuse for somebody to a coach to say it. I'm not saying that, but if we just heard that, like. If you just heard it in a classroom or the, uh, the in the doctor's office or wherever you might be, uh, you would be uh, desensitized to it. Well, we don't hear the F-bomb constantly like that. We, we hear it, but we're not just totally shocked. But this other word here has become so prevalent to where people, some people hardly even bat an eyelash now. And I don't know if that makes it excusable or what. There's nothing that I would say. Hopefully I don't say the other one in public either, but I'm not going to say I don't say it occasionally. That would be untrue. I'd prefer that I didn't, but I make mistakes. I, I had a coach tell me that his mother told him to knock it off yeah. because cameras are on coaches during games. Yep. Yep. And his mother literally said, stop saying that. I can read your lips 
when I'm at home watching the games. And I don't want you to keep saying that. And so he said it to me kind of sheepishly. And he has worked on that because he knows the camera is on him. But nevertheless, you're in these competitive environments. It's not like he's just sitting there giving an interview. It's in a competitive environment. And I think you have to allow for some slack in competitive environments. So we always giggle when offensive coordinators, especially in the NFL, have that big or a head coach has that big uh, that big uh, play call sheet and they're behind it and they're talking and always assume that they don't want the other team to be able to you know read lips and know what the plays are and all that kind of stuff. I don't know how quickly they could implement all that knowledge and get an advantage on the field. I would think they couldn't, but maybe it's just because they're lighting up players and coaches and referees. And they're just going nuts behind the play call sheet. Because if you remember, Steve Kerr got busted on the sideline. He's so tired of Draymond's bleep. And then he had to answer for that because, you know, it goes back to what you said about the coach and the mom. And, you know, he's on camera all the time. We see it. Yeah. And I can remember years ago, you told me you had a special skill reading lips. Oh, yeah. I think think teams would hire you. They really should. I need another job. (laughs) I could help them out. We all knew it was coming. Yeah, really. I mean, you were you with us, Yak, when he told us that he said that on air. I have a yes. special yep, skill. I do. Yep. <laughs> I do recall that one. I do. He has a special skill. Reading the lips. How did you acquire that skill? Just I was just trained. This intrinsic? is a true story. This is a true story. I used to not be good at it. I'm and not going to believe it, but go ahead. And then Vin Scully is an excellent lip reader. And oh, he is. Vin Scully and I, uh, my first job, my first full-time job in radio, uh, I was at a station in Santa Barbara and it was part of the Dodger Network. And now everything is automated. But in those days, they had to pay some fool, in this case, this fool, to sit there and play commercials. Uh, some were uh, network spots, but then some were local. And so you had to play the right spot at the right time. And the games would be on TV, and I'd have the TV on, and I'd have the uh, radio broadcast, and it was you know five nights a week through the summer of Dodger games. And Vin was very good at reading lips. He was you know a pitcher. It could be um, it could be uh, somebody coming out of the dugout to you know, go at the first base umpire or whatever, but it could be pitching coach coming out. And yeah, yeah, Vin, Vin more than once. And over time, you just kind of kind of focus on it and you know, just get better at it. Okay, but how do you know he was really good at it? Because if he has the special skill that others don't, well, they don't know what he's saying is right. You figure it out over time because he's telling you what's going to happen before it happens. Well, how are you reading lips if he's telling you what's going to happen before like it's going like to if happen? A, if that doesn't, pitch, make, any, if that doesn't pitch, make any sense. If a pitching coach comes out and talks to a pitcher, sometimes there's a little delay before he's out, Vin would never get that wrong. How he's do you just, know that? Because I was watching the games time after time, and he kept doing it. He'd come out, and he'd say, oh, he's talking to him about <laughs> blah, 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 and go back to the guy. He'd say, oh, he's going to so, pull him. And then, like, 30 <laughs> seconds later, the guy would drop his head, he'd hand him the ball, and he'd walk up the man for the think, dugout. I think what we figured out here, PK, is DJ learned how to lip read due to Vince Scully, because Vince Scully actually would correct uh, the would, test, almost, of yeah. DJ reading it. Because Vin, Vin, got, Vin was really good at telling you what was going to happen before it's happening. He's sitting there reading lips. Vin's the man. So how did you get that? Is it you, because someone has it? It's it's not. It can be taught, PK. It can be and, taught. And Vin Scully taught you. 
Well, essentially, I mean, not literally. I didn't go. I didn't go to the Vin Scully classroom, but every broadcast was a classroom. And they, you know, they start cutting in. I mean, Vin's talking, and the directors follow him. Starts cutting in, and you start paying attention, and you start picking it up. You okay. can do it. It's not like I'm the only one who can read lips. Well, I didn't say I had a special skill. You did. Yeah, I said a lot of stuff. And I like how you're getting worked up on something I couldn't give a crap about. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's just a go-to. We haven't had a game for three months. We're not going to have an NBA game for another six or seven weeks. You're getting all Play hot and hits. bothered, and I couldn't give a rip. That's even oh, that's entertaining me even more. Yeah. If you can read my if you can read my lips now with your oh, special, I, I that can. would be more impressed. If I'm not in the same, if I'm not in your line of vision, and you can read my lips at that point, it's not too far away from you being able to read my mind. That's really what it comes down to. <laughs> and I bet you know it's a special skill, and I have it. But I think other people have it too. I think you have it. Read my mind right now, but don't say it on the air because you know what I'm thinking. My high school basketball coach. I know exactly all what those you're impressionable yeah. tenth and twelfth grade practices. Except you said the coach never said it at an individual, and you're saying at me right now. That's true. That's the difference. I know. Yeah, but he desensitized me, so I my feelings him. are hurt because right as now. we discussed earlier in the show, nothing's anybody's fault. It's not my fault. I messed up. It's your fault. I messed up. It's not my fault. I'm thinking that now. It's coach's fault. Come on, Blit. <laughs> yeah, brother. All right, DJ and PK, what else we got to catch people up to date on? We talked a lot about the NBA. Uh, David Locke has been doing statistical breakdowns, comparisons. Uh, we, don't, we don't watch a lot of Bradley Beal here. I mean, you see some highlights, right, when he goes off and has a big game. He goes for 40 or whatever. Uh, but we don't, we don't watch Wizard basketball night in and night out. They're not good enough. They're not on the national TV broadcast. We've got a lot of other stuff to watch. But David Locke is going into how his statistical uh, growth and his improvement – was kind of a model for Donovan Mitchell because Beal's a little older, a little longer in the league, and they're both undersized. Maybe Donovan a little more so, but they're both, you know, you're 6'1, 6'2, 6'3, and a league full of 6'6, 6'9, and 7 foot guys. You know, you're a smaller guy, which got us into, uh, Locke got us into a whole trend about how you got to have multiple guys who can shoot the three, multiple guys who can initiate the offense. It's really not even point guard versus shooting guard. That distinction exists to some degree. But, you know, we're watching enough players now who have the skill set of two or three different positions. And as Locke points out, if you're not the star at the top, you need, that, you need the multiple skill sets just to stay in the league instead of having one path. I'm Howell Neto. I'm a six-foot backup point guard, and there's one thing I can do. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that's clearly where the league is going. I don't think there's any question about that. You've got to be able to do so many different things, and the more of that that you can do and become a better player in a higher level, obviously you increase your value and your team's value. There's no question about that. I wonder how much the game gets easier for some people, too, because it plays into their skill sets. Because when you become the three and D league, I mean, you're leaving out. I mean, we could sit here and, and dream up a bunch of other skills. But really, can you match up with the Rockets three-point shooters? And can you, can you rotate in, in a scramble and move well enough between two – you move between two shooters as you, you know, defend this guy, defend that guy as, as you slide around and try to recover when they get you in the scramble? 
Well, it's a question of uh, whether you can or not, I understand. But the reality is, in order to be successful against the Rockets or whatever, you're going to have to. So the answer is you must. And if you can't, then you better get it if you want to win. Uh, we also talked about the league. Is it getting deeper, harder to get the big number of wins? I was talking about how the Jazz have been to 60 wins three times. In two of those years, they went to the finals. They've never been to the finals in a non-60-win season. And they've only had three of them in the, career, in their, in the club history, and, and they've hit on two of them. And we're talking about, is it harder to get to 60 wins? Is there more depth? Is there more quality for team four, five, six, seven than there used to be? And less of a gap to one, two, and three. And looking up the last couple of years, there have been a couple of seasons here recently where there's only one 60-win team. Now, I think the other thing that's happening is that as you rest star guys and you do this whole load management thing, you're willing to throw away two to three to five wins a year. You know, if, if, you know, if you're good and you know you're good and you're the Warriors or you're LeBron's Cavs, does it matter if you're at 58 wins or 63 wins? And I think we're seeing no. a lot of teams decide the answer to that is, no, it really doesn't matter. Well, if you're good and you know you're good, I would say if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. All right. I knew you would. DJ and PK. <laughs> That's because you can read my mind, in addition to reading my lips, because you have a special skill. <laughs> I have no skills. <laughs> All right, when we come back, your feedback. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And it's over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Feedback of the day is brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. Went to Twitter to see what kind of feedback we were getting, PK. And yes. I ended up, before I even got to the feedback, I ended up seeing Mark Stein with a little NBA news breaking at the Stein line. What? Mark Stein's written for multiple outlets, but he's with the New York Times now for a while. Uh, he says, NBA teams have been notified that they will be allowed to play three scrimmages at Walt Disney World between July 9th and 29th before the scheduled resumption of the season July 30th. And then he corrected. He says the scrimmages are now planned for a window July 21 to 29. So they go there July 9 and start practicing, but they get to the 21st. Then they can scrimmage, and you have three scrimmages in nine days. And the reactions to this are all NBA fans saying, televise the scrimmages, televise them, televise the scrimmages, televise them. People want the scrimmages on TV. They're desperate for hoops, PK. Give them scrimmages. As, as one person. Uh, well, yeah, we... We're talking. We're not talking uh, within the same team. We're talking with another team, right? That's how I'm taking it. Yeah, that's what I'm taking. Is that the you know the Jazz could schedule, could scrimmage? Uh, I would think because you're going to be playing Western teams in the playoffs and all that. I would think they'd end up scheduling Eastern teams since you're all going to be there. You know, you, you'd go schedule the, uh, you know. Uh, yeah. Every time I get ready to say an Eastern team, I realize they're not there. There's so many Eastern teams that are, you'd schedule the Heat, right? You know, you'd schedule somebody like that. The Sixers. Oh, you want Boston, Boston, <laughs> Boston, Boston. Everybody wants to hit Hayward. <laughs> yes, of course you want Boston. We televise preseason games in just about every sport. Why wouldn't you televise those? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know. It sounds like a good idea to me. And they've got. They need to provide product to the regional networks and to sponsors, so it makes sense to me. The you know all the people who sponsor the dunks and the three point shots and every every uh, broadcast has them, right? So right, yeah, it makes right. sense to me. 
Uh, the feedback uh, for our show, the stuff we're getting this morning, uh, the app went down at exactly the wrong time. There were a lot of uh, football fans who wanted to hear from Ryan Lacey, and we took a power hit here, and we lost our internet, uh, we lost lights, we lost the app as part of that. Uh, so have you posted the interview yet? Yeah, it is up. It is up. So if you were uh, counting on your app to hear the Ryan Lacey interview, and it went down, and a lot of you tweeted at us, you uh, you can, uh, I'll, I'll retweet it here. You can get it at 1280thezone.com. You'll get it on Twitter if you follow. What's the official uh, station? At Zone Sportsnet. And I also just retweeted on my own feed okay. as well. So it'll be out there, and uh, you can get every segment of every show. They're out there an hour at a time on 1280thezone.com, on Stitcher, on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes. Yak, how am I doing? Have I missed somebody? You hit oh. the big heavy hitters. So. The heavy hitters. All right, there it is. So uh, you can check it out there. Um,. Have you got anybody uh, tweeting at you, PK? Uh, I'd have to look. I'm not okay. on Twitter very often. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I try to uh, – I look at it from time to time during the show, but uh, not a whole lot because I'm focused on what I'm going to say. I tend to look at that stuff afterward. Yeah. Oh, we uh, looking, and I hadn't looked in a day or so, a whole ton of stuff on that dumb topic yesterday of uh, – motherly types on television that just went nuts and it kept going nuts after the show and we had people going at us that's stupid why aren't you talking about sports and we had people tweeting back at him you're aware there hasn't been a game for three months right uh (laughs) but a lot of people totally embrace that they they like screwing around and we got a lot of tweets about that over 100 easy well, then I think that in the interest of uh, equal time, next week, uh, fatherly and then brotherly, oh, yeah. sisterly. Well, we're, we're, uh, we're cousinly. Clo- we're closing in on Father's Day here. <laughs> so, yeah, we got to do that. Cousinly. <laughs> okay, first cousin. Cousin Oliver, Brady Bunch. Go. I don't know who that is. Oh, it's just a character they wrote in the last year because they were running out of ideas. Put a young oh, okay. kid in there. Yeah, it was a total, totally drummed up. Okay. All right, DJ and PK, we are out of time. Coming up next, it is Hands and Scotty right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We'll see you Sunday night on Talking Sports.